0: Welcome to your Right to Speak Discussions on Social Justice and Advocacy. This is episode 39 and I'm your host Salvatore. On today's episode, we'll be talking with three lovely young people um, that I'm very excited to have them on the show. They're going to be talking about the closure of the Ontario Child Advocates Office. As most of you listeners know, I've worked at the Advocates Office in the past and I've seen firsthand the great work that um, the office has done. Um, So I'm very excited to have these guests on the show today, Um, would you all like to introduce yourself? Um,
1: So my name is Bailey Beattie, I'm a youth peer mentor through the Crossover Youth um, Project out of Ryerson and I work out of Belleville. Um, I consider myself a youth amplifier, it's my goal to amplify the voices of youth who desperately need it the most.
2: Uh, My name is Kirkland Drysdale. I am also a peer youth mentor through the Ryerson project and I'm also working out of Belleville. Uh, My dream through this is to make sure that youth have a voice where they have fallen through the cracks. And uh, my name is Liam Smith and I
3: also uh, am with the Koi group and um, I work out of Belleville but I live in Oxbridge so it's a little bit of a truck. Um, But I have the, the goal of making youth voice youth voice heard
0: great thank you for all for being on the show today Um, in your right to speak fashion we're just gonna dive right into the questions Um, so we'll start off with what impact will the closure of the advocates office have on young people in Ontario and what message do you think that the closure of the office will be sending to young people across Ontario
1: So I think the impact of uh, the closing of the Provincial Advocate um, and how it's going to affect young people in Ontario is really what we've done is we've told them that their voice doesn't matter. provincially um, and by a separate entity that is not government um, run. So that was one thing that was unique about the provincial advocate, was the fact that the the level of youth engagement that they did was a personal level. They personalized and they humanized every youth that they came across. And then provincially and systemically, we don't see that in some of the bigger sectors. So I really worry that in an already struggling environment that youth are gonna be silenced even more now.
0: Does anyone else have anything to add?
2: Um, you can go first. Okay, so uh, just to add on to what message does the closing um, have, what Bailey said is those youth that have fallen through the cracks and don't have that kind of voice, um, you know, it's already hard enough for them to come out and try to talk about whatever they're going through, whether it be trauma, um, housing situations, whatever, and having somebody in their corner. Um, with the closing of the Provincial Advocate Office, you know, the little bit of voice that they have have now been stripped from them. Mm-hmm. Um, I
3: also want to say it's it's almost like uh, taking the brand name of something and then throwing a no name on it. Um, all these years you've had kids who have seen the posters of the advocacy's office up in on the walls and places where they found safe and now it's the end like this new office that they haven't heard of and it's like it's not a trusted source right so it's not a trusted source for them and it's about making like it that's something they're gonna have to work on is just making it a trusted source again so it's like starting new i feel
0: I think, you know, that's a good point. A lot of the youth that I've worked with um, currently and in the past have said that, like, the office works so hard to build that trust with young people across Ontario. And, you know, before the office got, I guess, its independent arm from the uh, legislator, no one was really calling, like, I think, it, was it under the Ombudsman Office before? My understanding it was. I don't know. I can't remember exactly, but no youth was really making calls before because they didn't really know who to call. And um, so, I, yeah, I think that's a great point. It's For me, it, it I think the trust is broken, mm-hmm. right? I can't see youth calling the Ombudsman Office. <laughs> I'm not too sure how that's going to work in the future. Um, Which kind of segues us into the next question. What do you think uh, would be some of the gaps and challenges the Ombudsman office may be facing?
2: Definitely that trust issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Because coming from a youth perspective and through trauma, um, a lot of our trauma stems from like adults. And I do this in quotations because, you know, adults. (laughs) Um, But so that trust is already like very minimal. And now if they were working with an advocate, you know, taking their advocate away that they've been working with, that they trust, it's already, it's it's dampening trust even more because you're taking something away that they're so used to. Yeah.
1: I think for myself, it's really going to be a gap because the provincial advocate was an independent watchdog. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So
1: they held certain authority that a lot of service providers working actively already in a grassroots kind of way with youth um, don't have the authority to really pursue. And um, in particular for complaints or allegations. Um, And I think for the advancement is that it's just youth won't be taken seriously if they call with a complaint like that. And it's also the advocate was a way to inform youth of what their rights were as well. You know, in a very broken system, workers are overworked, staff are overworked, they are not necessarily informing the youth of their rights and responsibilities the way that they should be. So that I don't think that that's going to be transferred into the abudsman to have the same amount of services available for youth that is youth-centered.
0: Right. I think, you know, one of the big pieces too is with the Advocate's Office going under the Ombudsman Office, you know, the staff is going to be a lot less, right? So right now, I can't even tell you how many staff members they have, because I've forgotten. But I mean, let's say within the 20s, just throw out a number out there. That number is going to be cut down my suspicion, you know, a, court, a, a large amount and, you know, just thinking about like all the case loads, right, and all the, for me, I can foresee all the youth kind of falling through the cracks and mm-hmm. only the Ombudsman office taking real, what they consider the most serious cases where currently now every youth's voice that calls into the office is heard, right? Um, th- that's a big, a big piece for me. Just
3: yeah, like I, I think a huge problem is they're doing this because of budget. Yeah. Right. And if you're cutting because of like they were using that budget fully, like, and I think if you're just gonna make this as a budget call, you're sent, you're telling right to the youth faith like you're not, you're not important. Right, worth right. You're not, you're not, you're not. Yeah, you're not worth the money for. And it's, and honestly, uh, this is this is the future we're talking about. This is our future youth, that uh, the government's just saying we don't care, right? Like, and I just don't think that's right.
0: So, what would you all say to? I hope these are not all the listeners, but if we have listeners saying, well, the cuts got to be made somewhere. The you know, premier has to. He's made a promise to the public to balance, you know, Ontario's budget. If he's not making cuts with the watchdogs, where else would he be making cuts? What what do we feel about, you know, those types of comments?
1: So economically, um, that's hard because, quite frankly, there's a lot of struggling sectors. So how do you decide which one deserves funding and which one um, doesn't deserve funding? But quite frankly, if I were to pick any sector, it would actually be the justice, um, like, prisons sorry couldn't mm-hmm. get that out um, but the money that's being allocated to prisons and inmates because quite frankly the cost of holding an inmate in a can, or an Ontario jail compared to the per diem that it costs to support someone in foster care or in a supportive environment it's the disparity is just astronomical when you look at the actual statistics for it. So I think, quite frankly, that would be an avenue to cut funding from. And then focus on the preventative programs, such as homelessness um, initiatives, Mm -hmm. such as education initiatives, child welfare initiatives. These are all, it's the trajectory is really what it is. We can see from statistics where these youth are going to go if we don't intervene. So I think it's looking economically on what departments that we can, you know, cut from and what we can invest in to help in the long run be more sustainable.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I mean, if we looking at a cost-effective way, you know, the shutting down the advocate's office is going to cost society more money. Oh yeah, and I don't think the the premier who or his people that he was talking to has kind of really foresaw, you know, what impact that's going to have. Um, I just always like to look on the other side of things, mm-hmm. so I, I'm going to ask. <laughs> um, do we think there are any benefits to the advocate's office going under the ombudsman?
3: Short-term budget. Like if you're, if we're being real, it, it is a. It, it, again, it's a budget call. Um, but it's it's short-term, and it's and it's to please the people now. It's to please right. the budget for right now. Um, I also think that it's it's uh, broadening and making the what to an outsider such as like a uh, somewhere uh, somewhere else in Ontario. There, it's like oh well, under the Ontario government, they have these offices running, and they have this. the The government offers this. Well, while in reality, it would have been better if it was running. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's a huge, I think that's a huge thing. It just makes Ontario look better uh, to other provinces, uh, states, whatever, whatever. But it, it's, it's not from in Ontario. So I think it's just about how they look and what, what he's looking like to the people
2: that are voting for mm-hmm. him. In my opinion, I think in a perfect world... Um, I'm hoping the Ombudsman learns a few things from the advocates mm-hmm. and maybe changes how how they look at youth and maybe how they, they pick who is more vulnerable than others.
1: And I think for myself, um... Any, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because it hasn't rolled out yet so we really can't say anything for sure just using historical events and knowledge really personally um, and it's my hope similar to Kirkland is that they can utilize the provincial advocate and their resources if this is something that we can't rectify and change the appealing of the act is that they can utilize the valuable resources that the provincial advocate has already enacted provincially and, um, transpire that into a new and innovative mm. advancement, um, whether or not that's actually going to happen. Fingers crossed.
2: Again, a perfect world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but
1: I think otherwise than that, and very deficit focused. I really, for the youth as of now, from a youth level, do not see any positive
0: yeah.
1: effects of this yeah. change going through, um, quite frankly, other than at a federal Or, I guess, provincial, politic level, really.
0: Mm-hmm. So. I was talking with some of my youth. Um, they were helping me develop these questions. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it was very cool. And, you know, I was talking with them, and their big thing was, you know, it's just not fair, right? The, the, that was their big piece is how does someone just make a decision like that without really considering the population that it's, it's impacting, right? Cool. I, yeah. yeah, and these kids can't even vote.
3: That are gonna be
0: calling the yes. office. Yes. That's the yes. biggest
3: thing is yeah. like,
0: they, they can't vote
3: and they're and like that's something that really frustrates me is you're you they don't even have the power to vote and say no to what what the government's doing to them. Um, just wrong. Like I don't know. I just I just don't even I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, yeah. it
2: frustrates me that youth are so powerless that they have to listen to a government that is making decisions without them. Yeah,
1: we yeah. look at mental health statistics and dependence issues um, for youth, quite frankly. Um, and oh, no, where
0: is it? it will come back.
1: Yeah. Oh, so yeah, you gotta love that when the thought runs away. <laughs> I was touching on what you what you were gonna say there. You know, it was factual based, and now uh, I'm gone. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, they will at come end back. Of the, day yeah. <laughs> the
1: end of the day, <laughs> <laughs> long day. will come day. back. <laughs> but yeah, so.
0: You know, really, for me, it's we're going back in time, right? Mm -hmm. Canada in general has not been fully fulfilling, you know, the Convention on the Rights of a Child, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, having the Advocates Office was, we weren't there yet, but I think we were going in the right direction. And now it's, we've just taken a step back, like, years. Years and years years. of social justice just taken away. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was interesting, one of my youth, when we were talking about it, you know, they said the Premier shouldn't just have this power.
2: Mm-mm. And you I know?
0: agree. And you know, I said, well, you know, the power's got to go to someone. That's just the way the world works. So you know, we we're kind of talking about, it. I'm kind of curious now, you know, where, where do we think that power should come from? You know, she was saying maybe the, the Prime Minister. I think that's a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So
3: it's not it doesn't matter where I think it's building out. I think it's almost like if you have a premiere, then you should have there should be like two or three premiere or three premieres so that mm-hmm. way there's an odd number so you can they can vote against each other. Um,
0: that's an interesting Yeah, idea, I've
3: yeah. I've always thought that because like, you have the three three main parties mm-hmm. that are always going against each other and having their main people speak against each other and try to figure out issues that way. Because you have three chairs, There's always going to be a two versus one
0: vote. Mm-hmm. Um, That's an interesting... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've
3: always thought of it that way, and you might not, like, a lot of things that are going on in Ontario right now might not be going on because of that. Um, right. And I think it's it's like a, a four-year four battle is uh, a Democrat will get up there, and they'll make their changes, and then four years later, like a liberal will get up, they'll make their changes, and then it's just back and forth every four mm-hmm. years. Yeah.
0: I mean, the, that's, we're getting off topic a little bit, but I <laughs> mean, that, I would say that's one of our biggest issues with our current, mm-hmm. you know, government, how it's set up. Consistency. Um, but we'll be opening up a whole can of worms there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Do we think that, or are we hopeful that the Advocates Office, or some form of it, will come back in the future? 100%.
2: That is my hope. Um, To me, the Advocate Office closing, I will tell you, when they came home and told me that we nothing changed that they still went through with bill 57 the first thing I did was go home and cry Yeah. not for myself but for the people that the government is letting down yeah you know the the youth voice that was there is now just non-existent and we have stories all over the country of how many youth struggle and struggle just to say hey I need some help and a lot of the time the advocates were the ones that saw that and were like no 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 we're not giving up yeah and now that it's gone like
0: what going on
1: oh i was just gonna say how i re-envision i don't think the entity of the provincial advocate will come back in the way that it was right um I I think structurally that's gone and it, it, we have to accept that now but I think as a society what we have to think about now is how we can foster that model um, in our own communities so I think it's really gonna come from a grassroot
0: mm-hmm. level
1: and communities and society stepping up with organizations to come together to provide support for youth. Um, and that's gonna take more transparency, it's gonna take better communication, and it's gonna take people to get out of their siloed views um, and realize that we're all fighting for the same outcome. And that's how I re-envision or reframe a new advocacy advocate's office, um, just more at a, a local level because I right. think provincially um, we've lost that and, and that's going to take, it took years to build, mm-hmm. it will take years to build again so I think now we, have to, we owe it to our youth um, to try as a society to work together, to, mm-hmm. to build the support that we need to set youth up for a trajectory of success and not a failed statistic.
0: It sounds like social services really need, like, as a whole needs to step up and really needs to, you know, all these, I call them islands of hope,
2: all (laughs) these small
0: agencies that are doing really, really, you know, good work and really meeting the needs of the youth kind of have to shine a light on some of the the gaps and kind of advocate with, you know, young people across Mm -hmm. Ontario. I mean, in that sense, to be strength-based, I mean, th- th- that, th- that would be kind of exciting to actually have social services kind of revamp itself right. and kind of fix some of the, the challenges in social services right now. <laughs> um, um, this next question, one of my youth came up with, and uh, so I'm just gonna ask it word for word because this was particularly their voice. So how does the closing of the Advocate's Office impact the rest of services uh, to young people, and will this have a trickle-down effect?
1: So, um, firsthand working for a nonprofit organization, certainly, we've now had to expend our own resources to do some of the research work that the advocate was doing to equip youth with the uh, the resources that they need, evidently, to sustain and be independent, um, which has taken away from some of the work we've been trying to do to better our program as well. But you're you're seeing that that. I don't want to say burden, but that where across mm-hmm. is that that role that was there to help take some of that lift is now having to be put on to other service providers, but then it's not also a guarantee that those service providers are going to step up and fulfill it in the same capacity either. There's uh, gray areas, there's discretionary right. um, decision making, and it's a lot of service organizers, as we see, are deficit-based, too. So as opposed to the provincial advocate was strength-based, how can we come up with a plan on your strengths?
0: mm mm-hmm. so. mm-hmm. Anyone else have anything to add with that? I think she blew that one out of the water. Yeah, honestly. I think so too. Like, it was just so I,
1: the minute you asked that, I was
0: like, God! Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> that was right in your ballpark. That was great. Yeah. Um, we're making good time, which is a first for we have something to not we have something to say. That was a project I was working on at the Advocate's office. Mm-hmm. First for. Your right to speak. I had a long day too. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't remember what I was going to say. It uh, will come back. Um, so we have a good amount of time to really reflect on what has become your right to speak's trademark question, and is actually my favorite question. What does advocacy mean to you?
2: All right, uh, advocacy personally.
0: Um, for me
2: means not giving up you see a lot of the time youth are labeled as we can't place them you know they they've they got too many problems you know they're 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 too high maintenance mm. you're giving up on them if you're an advocate you're advocating advocating for that person as a whole no matter what almost like marriage through thick and thin That's what advocacy means to me. Love it.
1: Yeah, that almost tears
3: my eyes. That was well said. Um, for me, uh, see I'm gonna go into a little background here. While I was in, uh, I was actually in a group group care myself, um, and a lot of the staff that I had worked with, Mm -hmm. um, behind my back, really, and I found found out after I was out of care. from a few of them are not, that are now close friends, but um, th- they feel that a lot of the staff that I was working with uh, said that I was a lost cause coming at, coming out of care and mm-hmm. that I was uh, there was there wasn't hope. It was just kind of he's gonna be 18, we gotta let him go and see what happens. And uh, like when I heard that, it, it didn't. I was already on a right track at this point, mm-hmm. but. Um, it, ju- it just kind of pushed me to even go further and it was it was it, it makes you think like what if those people actually believed in me and actually advocated yes. to be mm-hmm. for me while I was in care what, what could I have been then yeah. um, what uh, right so like it's just the fact that people uh, people are giving up and they're not nobody really knows the, a lot of people, I, say, I should say, in mainstream society, um, the normal life, don't know what proper advocacy is mm-hmm. because they, they they give up too easily. And I don't want to say that to be rude, but um, it is true. A lot of people do give up easily, and if something's not working for them, they'll find something else. Mm-hmm. And you need to stick to what you believe in and make it work. And that's what advocacy is.
0: Love it. Yeah, to to
2: add on a little bit to my stuff, um, when I was in group care, constantly I was told you're gonna end up homeless, in jail, or dead, and that was the only three options I had. Statistically speaking. Statistically speaking, and I had my advocates, no one that I thought would be my advocate, but you know my guidance teacher, uh, a couple of my teachers. a couple of family or friends um, a couple of my friends family Mm -hmm. you know they never gave up on me they always no matter how low I was you know a couple hospital trips where you know self-harm was involved you know uh, mental illness really got to me got calls to the hospital you know making sure I was okay I had people showing up that told the hospital like you need to make sure he's okay Mm -hmm. if I didn't have those advocates when my group home gave up on me, I probably would have been Mm. homeless, in jail, or dead.
0: That's powerful. Mm.
1: For me, I think advocacy means quite a few things to me. Um, I'll touch on some of the ones that are close to home. I also grew up in the system. I was also coy youth, a crossover youth. I ended up in being criminalized based on my status in society and um, was criminally charged, and it was an uphill battle but now i take back from that as it's helped me in my work today um, is it's to advocate it's my job to educate um service Mm -hmm. providers and professionals across uh, the reality from a youth perspective of what it's actually like to grow up um in the system and what barriers we face because coming across a lot of the networks we've made now in our program um, I've noticed that there is a lack of understanding from a youth perspective of what mm. actually goes on. We can read reports, we can read all of these research papers that are done about what a perfect residential home should be shaped like, but when we speak to youth and they or when we speak to professionals and they say, we had no idea how bad things really had could have gotten in homes like that it's you know and we have its consistency we have multiple youth saying the same things about these homes so i think that's where i hold it in me is to educate and to find ways together that we can use this knowledge and put it out for the best hope of the Mm -hmm. youth and then also to advocate it's again for me to amplify the voices of the youth who do not get afforded the same opportunities in society based on their economic status their socioeconomic status um, their their ethnic ethnical identity um, if they're marginalized for whatever reason it's amplifying those voices that because they don't fit a certain profile they're not they're not, <sighs> wow, I'm really tired. They're not amplified Mm -hmm. to where it really needs to get, to where the decision-making is really happening. So that's my job is to network with these youth who are under the radar and who have been told systemically that they're going to be nothing and to tell them, no, you are going to be something and you're going to stick, part of my language, you're going to stick that middle finger up (laughs) and you are going to excel and you're going to do everything you can because you can and you have to believe in yourself. And I think that's a big thing as well. We talk about deficit-based. My last thing for advocacy is, Seeing the potential on every single mm-hmm. youth that I come across that it, I don't care where you came from or what you did, you had to do what you had to do to survive. We talk about right back to a trauma basic. Mm-hmm. What matters now is that when there's youth, there's a way, and if you harness that anger and that resentment from the system treating you the way that it, is, it treating you the way that you are, and turn that into, no, I'm going to be better because I can be better. Um, and that's really what I try to stand for for advocating is help install that very same mentality in the youth that I work with and letting them know to believe in themselves because I think they you know that's one thing I experienced you do when you're told so much that you're going to be nothing you believe it you Mm -hmm. believe that you're nothing and you're not capable of love and you're not capable of being anything in this world until someone comes along and tells you that you are and then this whole perception of where you're going changes and I think that's what we need more of and that's Mm -hmm. why I stand for advocacy and what I believe
0: I love it. The three of you have love it. Love it. Some powerful stuff here. Yeah. um, I actually have a saying that kind of ties that in. Um, Not
2: everything you learn is from a book. That book is made for a perfect world. We do not live in a perfect world. Sometimes the best experiences or sorry, sometimes the best
0: lessons you learn are from life experiences. I think that's a great way to end the episode. Love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Before we end, does anyone else have anything else to share or say?
1: I know this sounds like so, Like I don't want to be selfish, but like Ooh. I'm just like thinking about cause we're trying to get our programming. We yeah, yeah. send you some information about what we're doing in yes. our community to engage with some of the disengaged youth. Um, would you mind sharing maybe a link to it even on on the initial thing? Like I don't wanna impede yes. because I know you have something to do and I don't wanna this sounds so bad, I don't wanna sound selfish.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like trying to be so friendly about it, but yeah, because it's just we're trying to shine light as well when I talk about you know the community stepping up and how youth can even take our experiences mm-hmm. and that's something that i just i really like to mm-hmm. highlight when we get opportunities like mm-hmm. this because it again shows you that look no matter what life throws at you you can do it so.
0: well maybe we'll have you on again to talk about the crossover project that would be awesome oh, yeah. Yeah, that That'd would be, be great good. that would be awesome <laughs> um you know,
2: that's one thing i love about my job is being a peer mentor is now that the advocates office is closed we are the advocates mm-hmm. in our area yeah. So, you know, I take it very seriously,
0: and sometimes it does get real personal. Well, I would love to have you all (laughs) on the show again. Some great stuff here. Uh, Thank you again for being on the show today. Thanks for having us. Thank you, yeah. Your Right to Speak will be posted on the second Wednesday of every month. If you're a child or youth that would like to be on the show, or if you have a topic that you think we should be talking about, you can email me at yourrighttospeak at gmail.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-G-H-T-T-O-S-P-E-A-K at G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. Let's raise awareness together.